morning. Happy New Year. My name is Dave Winters. I'm the new equipped pastor. Our lead pastor, Josh Wyland and Hannah and Charlie, they're, they took some time for vacation out to Iowa and Minnesota to be, be with family. They're coming back tomorrow. Keep them in your prayers. Got any goals for this year? 2020, any goals, people? What would you think if I said my, my sermon for today was 20 goals for 2020? I was just thinking that that would be very painful for me, for you. Number 19, just, but I, I was curious, you know, how pastors are. I mean, I'm pastor and just, so I, I Googled like 20 goals for 2020 sermons. And so what came back, what Google brought back to me was there was not a single, at least this morning, there was not a single uh, message that that pastor was preaching with that title, but. I did find some, this was very catchy. There were several 2020 vision for 2020. What do you think of that? That was pretty, pretty snappy and I would, never, I would never probably think of that. I did see a, a 20 reasons to have hope in 2020, probably a long sermon too, though I'm sure it's very good. I, I did, it was dated December 8th. There was a church in Wisconsin, the pastor I listened to the very, the very beginning of it, and it, was, it looked pretty good, but it was goals for 2020, part two. Now think about that, December 8th, 2020. Evidently that pastor was so ramped up for the new year that let's forget about a Christmas series. I just want to like load my church with, with goals, December 8th. So you know, if that pastor kept on with that, this very Sunday, he's on part six of goals for 2020. So I just thought that was kind of funny. But this morning I prayed about it. And so I felt led just to, to talk about the first and great commandment to, to love the Lord, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength as we sang this morning. And that that is always first and foremost, that Christianity, our faith, uniquely of all the religions is not about a, a checkbox, check the box, but it's, it's uniquely and powerfully at its, at its deepest root. It's about love. It's a love relationship. Our primary approach to God, first and foremost, is always a heart, a soul, a mind of love toward him. So let's pray. Lord, I just pray that you'd work in each and every one of our hearts today, no matter where we are at in our relationship with you today, that, you, that we would be moved to love you. No matter how long that we have walked with you, that you would work in each of our hearts today, that we would be renewed, that we would be deepened and grow in our love for you as we start this new year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew, the book of Matthew, in your Bible, chapter 22, beginning with verse 34. It's talking about an encounter that Jesus the Son of God has with a group called the Pharisees. And if you're familiar with the Bible, uh, the Pharisees come up quite a bit. If you're not familiar, the Pharisees were a mix. They were part religious leader, part mayor, town council, city council. So that they had a, a religious bearing about them. They also had political authority. And so this group, Jesus was an unofficial uh, emerging popular leader but he was not an official official. 
And so these guys were very threatened by him. They wanted, they were always looking for ways to trap him, to make him look silly, to make him look stupid. And so they came, they come to him with a, in their mind, a trick question in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, a different group, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he, Jesus, said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's start back with verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God. The New Testament was written in the Greek language. And when you, talk, when you think about Greek and, and the definition of love, it's talking about a preference, a choice, a affection, heart affection, emotional affection. Our Webster's Dictionary in English says uh, an intense affection for another person based on personal or family ties. And so again, as I said, to start off, our primary bearing to God is not to approach him in fear, like, uh-oh, I might, I might mess up, I might screw up, I might get zapped. Our primary approach to God is not obedience, like what, what's, what's the laws, what's the rules, what do I have to, to do? What must I do as, as, you look, as you approach a job? What do I have to do with this job description? Our primary approach to God is, is one of love, a relationship a friendship, and how what must I, what must I do in order for us to have a close friendship? That's our first and foremost approach to God. And so coming back to the scripture, he says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Let's talk about heart. Heart is the inner self. Heart means our will, heart means our, 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 the center of our being. Our heart is our, des, our desire, our decisions that establish who we really are, to love God with all of our will. When we're talking about heart, I want you to think about you're having a hard day. It, it's not going to go well unless you exert your will. Okay, so the day your, your jobs, you show up at work and things, uh, all, things are going crazy, you have unexpected hardships, and at that point in your day, you have to decide, okay, more is required of me this day. I'm going to have to exert myself. I can lay down and fail, or I can, I'm going to have to get up, I'm going to have to give more energy to this day. Maybe you can think of an athletic contest where the other team or the, other, the race you're in, it, well, it, it's hard. And if I'm going to win or if I'm going to be competitive in that game, I'm going to have to exert myself. I'm going to have to stretch out unexpectedly. I'm going to have to give more of my heart. That's what we're talking about. Loving God with our heart is exerting our will. And I'm going to give my heart, my will to it. I'm going to, it's going to be an exertion. I'm going to have to push. That's what we're talking about. You're going to love God with all your, your heart. Again, the question, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. What are we talking about when we say love the Lord with all your soul? The soul is, is, a, is our distinct identity. We all have a body. We have a physical body. We have a brain. 
You have a soul created in the image of God. That invisible essence of who you are as an individual person. Your personality. The, the distinct, transparent you. What makes up you distinctly as, as a distinct individual, unique in all creation. We talk about knowing a person, having a deep friendship, a deep relationship. It's, it's that kind of thing where perhaps in, in a best friendship, a husband and wife, where you, you, the husband and wife can know each other just by body language, just by, by your shoulders or by your, your tone of voice, just by looking at, at your spouse or your best friend. You could tell just by looking at them whether they're in a good mood or a bad day, whether or if they're having a bad day or a good day. That, that you, you, you can look almost right through each other. You know each other. You have a history together, a personality. So when we're talking about loving God with all your soul, it's, it's person to person with God. That you're trans, You know that you're transparent with God. And that you, in, in your, your individuality, person to person, that it's a personal relationship. That, that you love God with all of you with all of your distinct individuality, all your distinct personality, that person to person, I love you, Lord, with all that is in me. And then he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, mind being our understanding, our reasoning, our intellect, our insight, our figuring things out. We're to love God with our brains, we're to love God with our thinking, with our comprehension. We're, we're to, to look at a sunset or a sunrise and say, and to think and to reason that is beautiful and that is not by accident. And I love you for creating that. God, you designed me to think that, that that sunrise or that sunset is beautiful. That is exactly what God planned. And you love God with all your mind saying, I see what you meant by that sunrise and that sunset or that beautiful blue sky. I see what you, you had in mind there, Lord, and I thank you for creating me, and I thank you, and I love you with all my mind that you've made the world like this. Coming back, he says, let's rewind just a moment. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Now, this is very profound. There's no extra charge. And it means this in any language. All means all. Any language. Deep thought for today. All means all. And so no matter how you want to slice or dice soul, mind, heart, all means all. And so it means when, when you and I primarily, our, our primary approach to God is, is all. It's your soul wide open, your, your heart wide open, your mind wide open. That all means all. All of me to all of you, Lord, that I love you. And again, you think of like a, a piece of paper and it's got the check boxes that you, you, know, you might have to fill out for a job or a, a test. And that Christianity is not a, a, a bunch of boxes to check. Like, for instance, I prayed the prayer to receive Jesus, check. I go to church most Sundays every month, check, 
I usually put something in the, in the tithe and offering as it goes by. Check. I'm a pretty good person, I think. Check. It's primarily to follow Jesus is a matter of, of, of a friendship, a relationship. When you think of, of a best friendship, of, of knowing somebody, that's, that's our faith. That's what it is. It's somewhat like you can think about a marriage again, for better or worse, and richer or poor, and plenty and want till death do us part. It's like it's entering a relationship, not checking boxes. It's don't get lost with it's a job to do, but it's a relationship for us to give ourselves to. It's performing tasks and duties versus a romance, a falling in love. I'd love to be with you. When we love someone, it, we don't really think about price or, or cost or time. We love them. And so we don't really think it doesn't matter how much it costs. I think about my own marriage. Been married a little over 25 years, 25 and a, and a half. My wife and I were talking about last night. You know, when I, when I got married, I knew my wife. Felt like I knew her really well. But looking back today... I could say that, yeah, I knew her well, but yet I feel like I hardly knew her at all. And the main point is that for over 25 years, we've been together. Sometimes better, sometimes worse, sometimes richer, sometimes poor. But that through all the various seasons, the, the ups and downs, and when we got married, when I said, I do to my wife, and she said, I do, she said, I do to me, we had no idea of what the next 25 years were going to hold. But the main point was that we were going to be together. And through thick and thin, that we were going to continue to love, to forgive, and to walk together, whatever, whatever comes. And I want you, the message I'm making today is that, that that is the primary thing about our faith. It doesn't matter if you're thinking about becoming a Christian or if you're a brand new Christian or... If you've been a Christian for 50 years, the adventure always continues in new seasons, in new circumstances. The goal is always the same, that I'm going to seek to love you. Whatever my circumstances are, whatever's going on in my life, no matter my age, no matter how many years I've been a Christian, that in each and every new day, in each and every new season of life, in each and every new year, I'm going to seek to love you as best I can with all my heart, with all that is in me. It is the great and first commandment in verse 38 now. And the word great there means, it can mean large, it can mean wide. You can think of you're driving down the highway and there's two or three slow cars in, in front of you and, and maybe one of them's got, got a wide load and no matter how much you would like to pass them, hit the gas and get around them so you can drive faster, you can't get around them you're stuck it's too too wide and large and that's the meaning here is that this this command love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with with all your mind it's too wide it's too large you if you're going to follow jesus you cannot get around it this is always the wide the large command to keep in front of us and it's first it's number one it's chief, it's before everything else. It's the great and the first, to love him. 
How are you going to start 2020? Start this year with a fresh resolve in your heart just to love God anew. None of us, none of us is the master. None of us is the ninja black belt master of of loving God with all our heart. It's always a pushing in. It's always, there's always something more and new to love God. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God means loving people. When we love God with all our heart, everyone around us, everyone we work with, everyone in our family, when we love God with all our heart, everyone else is going to be a beneficiary. How do we love God who we cannot see? We love the people all around us. Loving God means loving people. We can't separate loving God from loving people. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? You love a person like you love your own self. If you're always sympathetic toward yourself, it means you're sympathetic to other people. If you're always very sure that your opinions on subject matters are, are, is very important, it means that you value the opinions of others. If you're kind and understanding toward yourself, it means that you're kind and understanding toward other people. Think of a person that it's hard for you to love. Now, if you're thinking like, stop, just pick one. It's way too many. Just pick one. And think about how you love yourself. And that God has that person in your life for you to practice you're loving, loving him or her. Loving God, loving other people, loving yourself are all tied up. There, you, you can't undo that knot. Loving God, loving other people, loving yourself, it's all tied up. You cannot undo it. We forgive people because God forgives us. We are patient with people because God is patient with us. We treat people kindly when they don't deserve it because God treats you and I kindly when we don't deserve it. We make a decision that we will love other people, not because they're lovable or deserving, but because we love God and he is deserving of our love. This is the great and first commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbors yourself. Now look at verse 40. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. On these two commands depend every command and teaching in the Bible. So what's that saying? Is you pick up your Bible, flip it open wherever you want. If you find whatever command, whatever command you find, you shall not steal, you shall not lie, you shall honor your parents, you shall encourage one another, you shall forgive each other, you shall meet together as a church. Whatever command you find, it Dig down deep enough, and it comes down to loving God or loving people. When Jesus says, on these two commandments, loving God with all your heart and loving people as you love yourself, any command you could find in the whole wide Bible, it, it, its foundation comes back to here. Whatever house you might think of, you know, you're driving by a house, and, and you look, you might see six inches to a foot of, of the concrete or the, the cement the basement or the crawl space, the, the, the footing, the concrete pouring, 
that supports everything above it. And so this is what these two commands are. They're the poured concrete. They're what supports everything else about the house. Loving God with all that is in you and loving other people as you love yourself. All right, so what I wanna do now is talk a little bit more about biblically, what are we talking about when we love? Okay, I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, but, but love, is, it definitely needs clarification in 21st century America. What is love? Love is a decision revealed by sacrifice. We gotta be clear as, as followers of Jesus that, that love is not a feeling. That love is a choice, a decision, an act of your will and heart. That love, according to God's definition, which is the real and true definition of love, that love is a decision, that love is deep resolve, that love will always have some element of sacrifice leading to deep joy and pride. So what's our church motto as we drive by every day? You see it? What is it? You are loved. So when we say at Wawasee Bible, you are loved, we're not talking about something fluffy or light or have a great day or, you know, you're so lovable. What we mean by you are loved is that you were died for, that your life is worth blood. That your, your, your life did actually cost someone's blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. When we say you are loved, we're saying you are suffered for. Someone experienced incredible pain for you. That's what we mean when we say that you are loved. That's God's definition. There's always a cost in real love. The surest sign of love is sacrifice and suffering underneath it. Love is revealed, shown forth in actions of suffering and or sacrifice. Where there's real love, there's always real sacrifice, suffering, cost, effort, price, a wrestling, price to be paid. Real briefly, I mean, I, I had so many Bible verses I could have chosen. I'm just gonna give you four quick ones. Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Notice, loved, gave himself up. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, Paul writes, it's no longer I who live, but Christ live, who lives in me. In life, I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John 15.13, greater love has no one than this, that someone Lay down his life for his friends. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have, but have eternal life. Biblically, the real definition of love that we have to know and stick to as followers of Christ is that love always includes sacrifice. Love is always about giving up a giving, a suffering, a sacrifice. If you, if you think about it, every great character, Christian or non-Christian, that, that people love and admire is someone who in some way imitates Christ. 
someone who pays the ultimate price. Who loves the flag more than that, that old veteran who, who served in a foreign war? Who, who loves more than the one who, who paid the price? Love always includes a price. It is not a feeling. A long time ago, when I was a pastor in, a, in another state, I was counseling, my wife partook in this particular situation to a, a couple that was, their marriage was struggling. And the issue was the wife believed that she had fallen out of love and that she no longer had feelings for her husband. And I met with her and I tried a, a variety of, of arguments and, and reasonings and, and pleadings with her about to, to stay with her marriage, to stay with her husband, to, to remain married. And no matter what I said, when I was done talking, there would be a pause. And she would repeatedly say after that pause, but I just do not have feelings for him. I just don't have feelings for him anymore. No matter what I could say, could not break that grip, and she ended up ending her marriage because she no longer had feelings of love toward her husband. And I, as, as human beings, we can't, I can't, even as a Christian, I can't dismiss, none of us can dismiss the power of feelings, that they can seem all-powerful, where I don't feel that I have love for this person. I don't feel that I could forgive them. I feel depressed or I feel angry or I feel that I must buy that thing. Or the feeling of a crush or an infatuation. I mean, none of us as human beings, it's the way God made us, can deny the, the power of feelings. But at the same time, as followers of Jesus, we have to know we have to know that feelings are not almighty God. We have to know as followers of Christ that many times we will have to do battle, to do war with our feelings. It's like when we feel that, that spell coming on, you, you see that movie where the person is, you know, they've fallen under some evil magician's spell that I must obey. When they're not acting their right mind, and you have another character who comes along in the movie and slaps them or hits them over the head, say, wake up, snap out of it, break the spell. And it's like that with feelings that, no, as, as human beings made in the image of God, that God's given you a, a heart and a soul and a mind and that God is greater than our feelings and that as we have to snap out of it, that no matter how, strong and powerful, the feelings that God has given us a heart and a will to say, no, I'm not going to follow my feelings. And that when I follow God, when I love him, when I cry out to him, that he is greater than my feelings, that he's given us a heart and a will to resist and to overcome and to not live according to our feelings, but to love people or even Heart, the, the hardest people in the, the world to love. And that often when we, when we do love people, 
through our actions, through our will, the feelings come back. An example of a victory over, over feelings I'll give is uh, Corey Ten Boom, who some of you may know. And Corey Ten Boom was, was a Dutch woman, World War II. She grew up in the Netherlands, and when the, the Germans invaded and when the Gestapo, the Nazis, the SS, they started rounding up the Jews, her and her family decided we're going to hide Jews in our house. And eventually they were caught. Her and her, sits, her, and her sister Betsy were sent to a, a concentration camp. And after the war was over, uh, she learned powerful lessons about forgiveness. And she would go around to various churches and talking about forgiveness until one day at the, at the end of a service, I think the country was, was Austria, forgot to write it down here. I think it was Austria or maybe somewhere in, in Germany. At the end of the service, she was approached by a man wanting to shake her hand. And she saw the man coming and she recognized him as one of the most cruel, sadistic guards from her concentration camp. And she says this but I, in her book, but I remembered him, the guard, and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. And, and previously, I forgot, he was stand, the man was standing there with, with his hand out, and she, she couldn't bring her hand to shake his hand. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. He was saying, I was a guard there. The guard didn't recognize her, but she recognized him. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, again, his hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there, Corey Ten Boom writes, I whose sins had again and again to be forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? The soldier stood there expectantly, waiting for Corey to shake his hand. She wrestled with the most difficult thing I'd ever had to do, for I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. Standing there before the former SS man, Corey remembered that forgiveness is an act of the will, not an emotion. Jesus, help me, she prayed. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. Corey thrust out her hand. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth Warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. And that's what God's definition of love is, and that's what our, ours needs to be. Love is always an act of the will, a decision revealed by sacrifice, and often God supplies the feeling afterwards. Loving God is not something fluffy or light or just emotional. It has, it has meat and bones. It has power. It has strength to it. John 14, 21 says, says this. It talks about love being connected with obedience. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. 
that love is always expressed by laying down my life, by obeying him. And obedience is not just a, a, a box to be checked. It's an expression of love. 1 John 4, 20 says this, verses 20 and 21, it says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he does not love God, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. We can't say, oh, I love God so much. I can't stand that person. I hate that, I hate that woman. Whoever loves God means we love those around us. Why should we love God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all that is in us? I'm going to give you just five quick things just about that relate to all people that in the end have to have to be personal to each one of you and I. We should love God with all our hearts because he created us. Without him, there's no you or I. Every breath and thought is actually a gift from God. So loving God means I love you because you created me. We say to God, I love you with all that is in me because I, without you, there would be no me. Every moment, every day is a gift from you. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of my life. I love you. Secondly would be he died for us. He shed blood for us. He suffered for us. He took our place on the cross. He died so you and I wouldn't have to. So why should we love him with all that is in us? We say, I love you that you died for my sins. And you fail to think about, well, I'm not such a bad person compared to, to him or her. But that you, when you approach God, you say, I love you because you died for my stuff. That you died for my personal sins. That I was going to hell, except Jesus, you died for my sins. That's how we can love him. We love him because he forgives us. He forgives us over and over, past, present, and future. <coughs> he accepts us. He understands us. He forgives us. So why can we love him with all our hearts when we could say, Jesus, thank you that you forgive me. You forgive me over and over. And I can forgive all the people all around me over and over because you forgive me over and over. When I'm walking in, thank you that you forgive me each and every day. It helps me to forgive all the people around me every day. Why can we love him with all our hearts? Because he actually gives meaning and significance to our days. The Bible says, for he's given each one of us a purpose in life, good works to do. And so we can say, Lord, I can love you with all my heart because you've actually given me a life that has meaning and eternal value. And the, and the things that I do for you, Jesus, they will have meaning 10 years a hundred years, a thousand years from today. Lastly, we can love him because he's coming back for us if we believe in him. And one day he will right every wrong. He will heal every, every wrong. He will make all things new. Why can you and I love him with all our heart? We could say, I love you because one day you're coming back for me. And whatever bad things I've experienced and seen, you're going to make it all right. 
you're going to set all things right. I can love you because one day you're coming back for me. You're going you're gonna to make everything right. You're going to make all things new. So as we start 2020, let's pray and ask God to give us more love for him. Praying is simply talking to God. Same way you talk to another person. Praying is simply coming before God with, with a praise, with a thank you, with a help me, Lord. I need help. Psalm 18.1 says this, I love you, Lord, my strength. We express, we grow in love for God by expressing love for him. And I'm going to give you a chance this very morning to memorize a verse. This is the whole verse. You know, as, as kids, we always love that verse. And the, I can't remember where it's from, but the, the line, it's in, from John 11, it says, Jesus wept. And when the Sunday school teacher said, you need to memorize the verse, like the boys and I, we'd all say, well, Jesus wept. There's two, two words, like, well, we memorized the verse, Jesus wept. Well, here's another short one. I love you, Lord, my strength. Psalm 18.1. So let's say that together right now. I love you, Lord, my strength. Again, I love you, Lord, my strength. One more time. I love you, Lord, my strength. So this week, just look at those words. I think everyone here memorize Psalm 18.1. Let's leave that on the on the. Line and let's just take. I want to give you 15 seconds, and I want you just to silently just repeat those words in in your own heart and mind. And just this week, as you go about your day, you have an easy day, you have a hard day. Tomorrow it's hard to get back in the rhythm of work. This simple prayer, as an expression of your heart's love for God, I love you, Lord, my strength. I'm going to give you about 15 seconds of silence and just, if you want, you can close your eyes if that helps you concentrate more, but see if you can memorize this. I love you, Lord, my strength. Go. Just say that prayer. Just let it run through. I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, Lord, my strength. Silently to yourself. Amen. just want to encourage you to, to memorize that, Psalm 18.1, and just use it to, to strengthen yourself to stick close to God, to love him this week. I love you, Lord, my strength. How do we grow in love for him? We pray. We ask. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Now, there's that expression, talking out of both sides of your mouth, and it's usually a negative connotation that you don't, you don't mean what you say. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth. I want to use it in a positive way about talking out of both sides of your mouth and that what I've done that's helped me grow closer to God and out of, in one aspect, I, I, I'll say, Lord, I love you. I choose to follow you. I, I express my will. I express my heart that I'm committed to you, Jesus. I love you. And out of the other side of my mouth, I pray, Lord, help me love you more. Lord, help me to love you more. Because I know as a human being, unless I focus on him, other things will creep in. Because all of us are sinners and I'm a sinner and, and I've, got to, I've got to work, I've got to work my heart. I've got to exert my will to keep loving him. So out of one side of my mouth, I'll say, 
I love you, Lord. I do love you. I'm committed to you. I choose you over and over again. And on the other side of the mouth, I say, Lord, help me love you more. Increase my heart and love for you. And it also works as, as I pray for other people that you and I can say, I love my spouse. I love my kids. I love my parents. I, I'm going to love my coworkers. And you say, you say that out of one side of your mouth. And out of the other side of your mouth, you say, Lord, help me. Unless you give me love for them, I'm going to have a hard time loving them. So let's practice that now. Again, this is not awkward silence. This is, this is good silence. We're going to practice. So right now, I just, again, want to give 15, 20 seconds. And we're going to practice I mean, expressing your heart, your will, your decision. Remembering that love is a decision that we decide. When you, you decide to become a Christian, you pray once and for all, Lord, come into my heart, forgive my sins. But then after that, you continue to express your will, your heart, that I'm going to love you, Jesus. I choose you over and over and over again. So let's just, I'm going to give you 15, 20 seconds just to, and if, again, if you want to just bow your head and close your eyes, if that helps you. But I want you just to pray in your, in your mind, I love you, I choose you, I prefer you. I commit to you, I'm, I, with all my heart, I love you. And just, you're making a statement of your will in your heart that I choose Jesus. I love you. Go ahead. Now, let's just keep our, our heads bowed. We're just going to continue to pray. Now, talking out the other side of your mouth, just you say, Lord, help me love you more. Lord, give me more love for you. Help me to love you with all that is in me. Help me to love you first, to love you most, to love you. Help me, help me, help me to love you more. Go ahead. I'm just going to ask the, the worship team just to come forward at this time. So amen on that as the worship team comes forward. So just wrapping up today, just want you to think how love is a decision revealed by sacrifice. So we start this new year, just maybe one goal, one goal. The first in the great command, just to love him with all that is in us with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Closing prayer. Lord, I pray just uh, help every one of us, Lord, just to, to grow in love. You are worthy of all our love. <coughs> teach us this coming year, starting today, Lord, teach us more deeply just how to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind to love our neighbor, to love all those around us as we love ourselves. Help us, in Jesus' name, amen.